the big silence, empowering personal experiences, inspiring compassion, and healing lives. We are no longer silent. We are here. The Big Silence. Hello and welcome to the Big Silence podcast. I am your host, Karina Dawn. I'm a mental health advocate, wellness entrepreneur, and co-founder of the leading women's fitness community, Tone It Up. I'm also a New York Times bestselling author and founder of the nonprofit, The Big Silence Foundation. I'm also a wife, daughter, friend, and yes, palm mom of five. And just like you, I'm a work in progress. I have experienced profound grief and trauma and then found deep joy in life. And now I'm here to share my story, be a safe space for you to share yours. And we're having in-depth conversations with psychologists, doctors, spiritual leaders, friends, and others who have been impacted directly or indirectly by a mental health condition. No more embarrassment, no more shame, no holding back, only healing. Let's go! Mental health is my wealth, the stress upon the shelf. Nobody can love me the way I love myself. Seek and ye shall find the truth and the light. I'm living my purpose, so I sleep good at night. No more depression or spiritual recession. And every day that I wake up, it's a blessing. So breathe in, breathe out. Everybody in the house know what I'm talking about. The big silence. The big silence. All right. Welcome back. Karina here. So happy you're here to join me this week. Wow. I feel like this year is flying by. Thanksgiving is coming up in like a week and a half, something like that. Bobby and I, he's not here as my co-host once again. I would tell you to DM him and tell him to show up and be my co-host, but he's not on social media and he's currently getting a 90-minute massage. That's Barbie. But yeah, we're having Thanksgiving here at the house, the first time we've ever hosted both of our families. So I think there's 17 or 18 people coming. So... What I'm going to need after this holiday season is a spiritual reset. And I wanted to share first with you here that we are, or I am hosting a spiritual reset on January 6th, 2023. It's a once in a lifetime experience at my personal home here in Austin, Texas. I'm about 25 minutes from downtown Austin in this beautiful sanctuary with all these trees and birds and just so beautiful out here up in nature in the hill country. And it's a retreat focused on mental, physical, spiritual health, small group sessions, individual se- sessions with my personal teachers that I've worked for with for many, many years, as you guys know, I'm always about personal development, therapy, and also my friends, my great friends that live here that are leaders in the fitness and spiritual space. So think about, imagine like starting your year off, 2023, here, and working out with top fitness trainers, yoga, strength training, motivational conversations with top business consultants to inspire you and take yourself to another level. Spiritual practices from mindfulness to meditation, breathwork, sound healing, holographic repatterning with my girl Anne from Sedona, also tarot readings, and also discover your spirit animal. And then there's also art, discovery art with my girl Rachel Brown. And we'll have B12 shops, all the things. We got cold plunge. We got sauna. It's one full day and 
you better believe it. We're going to have the healthiest food here too. So check it out at myspiritualreset.com or thebigsilence.com. It is the cost of being here goes 100% to the Big Silence Foundation and all of our programs. Our new program that we are launching before the end of the year is to provide therapy and sponsor therapy for those who live in those those mental health deserts or don't have access or health insurance. And therapy is expensive. So we are here for you. The other news, of course, notalonechallenge.org. I'm sure you've seen me promoting this. It's with my friend Jewel and many, many other friends. And you can also find the Spiritual Reset in the auction section on notalonechallenge.org where you can auction... Is that what it's called? Auction? Bid. The word is bid. (laughs) On all these awesome experiences, I have something for dinner at my home, a private dinner, lunch with me at Soho House in Austin, personal training with myself and my private trainer at The Collective, and also train like an NFL pro with NFL pros. So just make sure you're following me on Instagram and you're signed up for our newsletter because all that stuff we're going to keep sharing and keep sharing. The Not Alone Challenge is to make sure that everyone as we go into the holiday season is not alone because depression and anxiety is at an all-time high. And so I encourage you, not only join the challenge, but also reach out to someone who you may think feels alone and let them know that you love them and they are not alone. All right, and today's podcast guest, the lovely Mary Lawless Lee, founder of Happily Gray, and she has her new book coming out November 15th this year. It's all stories and souvenirs and everyday wonders from life in between. And I love the discussion about we, you know, so often we think about living life in black or white, but what if we just live in the beautiful gray? We talk about everything from her work as an ICU nurse, transitioning to her new role, being an entrepreneur, divorce, all this stuff, and the little takeaways of living life in gray. So enjoy the podcast. And as always, make sure you comment, like, share this so we can keep pumping out these podcasts to help everyone make sure they know they're not alone. Enjoy. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Mary Lawless Lee. So grateful that you're here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat today and really thankful to be a part of your community. Yeah. And as I mentioned in the intro, Mary has Happily Gray coming out in November and you're going on a book tour. We were just conversating about book tour life and pulling it all together. And so actually I'll in the show notes, I want to share a link of everywhere you're going because you're going to all the the hot spots. So I'm definitely going to see you here in Austin. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited. I don't really know what I'm doing, but more than anything, just excited to like meet people face to face and to be able to like connect with women in all these different cities. You know what we're doing. I mean, I always say I don't know what I'm doing, but when it comes <laughs> down to it, we know what we're doing. You're a mom of two. You're pregnant, five months, and. <laughs> You got it. it just writing it, a book. It, it just always, you know, it feels that way. You're like running 100 miles an hour, kind of at all different things. But yeah, no. When it comes down to it, I'm grounded in the like, okay, we can do this. We can, we we can do this. And so, just yeah. feels crazy in the moment of all the preparation that goes behind it. Yeah. So I'm in Austin, and you were well. Actually, before I dive into that, what does happily gray stand for to you? Oh, I, I love this question because there's, I mean. 
I think over the years, so many people thought it was like my connection to like muted colors or my something with my ex-husband or it actually has a really deep meaning behind my discovery of of realizing like life is not black and white. I grew up in a very small town in East Texas. And I think I grew up with this mentality that life was presented black and white. You kept to be this or that. And I always kind of was trying to fit myself in to this, this certain box. And through my twenties and, and, and moving to Austin and went to school at UT Austin, mm-hmm. it was just like, so my world just opened up so much and seeing different perspective and different perspectives on life. You know, I really started realizing and learning that life is very gray and that at times it's not going to make sense. And that's actually where I felt the most freedom mm-hmm. and the most safety and the most creative. And for, furthermore, I worked in critical care as a nurse yeah. for seven years. And that was really very eye-opening too, because being that close to life and death, mm-hmm. you're in this gray space. And I learned so much about the human spirit and the human body. And ultimately, I was at this point in my career wanting to have a creative outlet. I love to write. And so I started a blog as a creative outlet and I called it Happily Gray because at the time I was understanding this gray space to be really my happy place. The uncertainty, the bliss of not knowing, just the, you know, the fact that it's okay to not be okay. And I don't have to be exactly this or exactly that. And so it's it was my years of discovery and like the kind of the beginning. Of, of that journey. Yeah. So I, I felt called to the title of your book and I get that because I think it's really important for everyone to understand there is not just the perfectionism and life is supposed to be that, or it's just devastating. There's the lessons that we learn and meet in the happily gray space. And that's a beautiful color. Yeah, and, it is. And in your book, you talk about a lot of lessons and, one of the things I wanted to bring up is marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even I'm married too, and my husband knows I very openly talk about it. And like, we come from two different backgrounds. If you're listening, and I just, you know, was sharing with Mary about my background and growing up with a lot of trauma with a schizophrenic mother and a lot of blackness in my life, but finding out the grayness, I guess we'll use that in a marriage, finding out that not everything is perfect. But I'm so interested, too, because I do have a lot of listeners who have gone through divorce and learning, like, the lessons of divorce and the shame around it, but moving on and finding love again. Can we talk about that? Sure. Yeah. So I was married for five years, and I got divorced when I was 26. I was married very, very early. And what I was saying about, like, growing up in this, like, conservative small town you know, life is this or that. I was checking the the box. Mm-hmm. I was going through, okay, college check, marriage check, graduating check, job check. And then my, my whole world expanded. And I woke up one day and realizing, you know, I, I talk about this quote in my book a lot. I love the plan until I met the dream. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I'd quit growing. I'd quit evolving. My curiosity had gone quiet. And I was losing that sense of childlike wonder that I kind of always had. And the biggest heartbreak of all was that the realization of knowing I wasn't growing or evolving anymore as a person. And 
you know, at the time when I entered that marriage, I was encouraged by like the steadfastness that it provided and the security that it provided. But once I realized, you know, over those years that I'd quit growing, then that was the true heartbreak. And so that was really my first calling into realizing that, you know, maybe this wasn't the right path. And it was really hard because there's a lot of I mean, not just your own marriage, but like the people around it. There's yeah. a lot of shame wrapped up in that. And I struggled with that. And, and I, I still do. I talk about it in my book. Like I know 400,000% that was the right decision, but there's still the shame that comes back here and there that, you know, of the disappointment of, of failing at something. But that was the first lesson in my life where I, I, I made a decision for my own happiness, for this own journey of personal growth, it was pivotal. It, it was really, it was really groundbreaking for me. And, and I think that you know, at a time that I didn't feel like I had a lot of support around me, I, tr- I was the first time I trusted myself. Yeah, and that was huge. That was like that opened my whole world in a new way to know, like, I can't trust myself. And so it was, was a lot of freedom in that. Yeah, and a lot of personal growth. I get a lot of questions too, like. When two partners are together, and you were very young, at, married at 21, when mm-hmm. you're still just developing, and I think mm-hmm. that there can be where two partners, like one is like going like this and wants to heal and grow and learn and be curious, and it's okay if you're not meeting in that same spot. Yeah, I think the, the biggest realization here was, well, two things. One, the heartbreak of, of stopping losing that discovery, losing that sense of wonder. And then secondly, realizing I can trust myself and I don't, it doesn't have to look like this picture. I can create my own journey. So it's really hard. And, and, and there's, like I said, there's still days that I think about it, but yeah, ultimately there was, it was like a stepping stone in my life that I'm so thankful for. Yeah. So you met him while you're at UT and studying to become a nurse. And then you go to ICU, which I have a couple of friends, very close friends that work in ICU. And that is just a growth and learning lesson, like you were saying, about life. So then you're in ICU and dealing with death. And as we talked before this, I'm going to an ICU unit right after this conversation and to visit a friend. But then what made you want to leave and made you curious to leave and go on to this new adventure? There wasn't like a finite moment where I was like, I need a change. I need need a new path. I think that nursing propelled me to search for something more. Being in critical care, being that close to life and death, there were these like super fragile moments that I was experiencing and learning and becoming a new person through. And it inspired me, honestly, and, and it made me want to start writing more. Writing's always been a big part of my life. It's always been kind of my form of meditation or yoga. I'm not mm-hmm. a big yoga person or a big meditator, but writing for me, journaling has always been that and served that in my life. And so I decided I wanted to start back writing again because I was I felt like I was at that point in my life, I was so in tune with my inner inner self and 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 centered and I was looking for something more. And so I started writing and I paid my friend $50 to create a blog called Happily Gray. And I started writing about any and all things that inspired me. Most of it predominantly was fashion, but it was a creative outlet. So it just evolved naturally on its own. And this was like 10, 12 years ago before blogging was a thing. Mm -hmm. Influencer was like, uh, not even a term. Yeah. So 
everyone was like, wait, what are you doing? And the first part of it was just writing. There was no picture to accompany it. But then I quickly learned and I was having fun with it. Like, oh, I'm going to show people how a style looks. This is really fun. And so it, it was a creative outlet that turned into like my passion ultimately turned into a new form, uh, you know, of business. And it, it was, it was slow. It was hard for me to leave nursing and I was really slow to do it because I think the reality of, of all that I learned as a nurse is just, it was the most seven, most impressionable years of my life. I learned mm-hmm. true gratitude and true grit. And I've taken that through everything that I do now. And so it was really hard to close that, that chapter, but yep. there was a, there was a, 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 like a gut, you know, instinct calling there that I felt like this is it, this is the next season of life. And so um, so you would say, go, yeah. go with your gut. I, my One of my ICU friends, Carrie, I'm calling you out. She always is like wondering, like, I'm pushed and pulled in all of this, loving the, you know, saving lives and being there for others. But, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a rough job. It's emotional. It's, yeah. I mean, you go through everything. You experience everything. It's, it's very taxing emo- emotionally and mentally and physically. And I have such deep respect for people that do it. I mean, I work yeah. with women that have done it for 28 years and I just was always in awe of, of, of they could show up and, and, and kind of serve in that, that space for, for patients. It's just, it's, it's a calling for sure. Yeah. So back to journaling and back to the OGs of blogging and pre, Kat and I also started Tone It Up in 2009 before Instagram came out and I had a oh, yeah. blog yeah. ahead of time. And so, yeah, I totally get that. But so journaling and with Tone It Up, we always encourage journaling. But what, sometimes it's kind of like meditation. Where do I start? So what are your prompts and your your advice for anyone just getting started with a blank piece of paper? How do I even start? So I, I actually wrote specific, there's like 10 prompts in my book. Yep. There's a specific section for journaling because journaling can be very intimidating to try to just like open up a blank notebook and start writing. It's such an honest practice. There's no hiding anything. It's just you and your own words, your own thoughts. And so sometimes I come to the table and I've got like a million things to write. And sometimes I come to the table and I'm like, no idea what to write right now. And that's when I lean on those prompts. So some of those are, what made you happy today? Mm -hmm. Who can you forgive today? What's inspiring you right now? Um who did you connect with today? There's, there's like 10 of them in the book and they, you know, they're great because they give you a starting place. It's a place to kick off. Journaling for me is like therapy. And I just always find that starting with one of those questions really kind of, you know, gives me a head start into whatever I'm, I'm like meant to get into that maybe mentally I'm just not going there, you know, for some reason that day. Yeah. I think those prompts are good too. Cause so often we can get stuck in our heads on like the negative or what I didn't do or what is wrong today and this, but it's like, I love being like, actually what was positive today? Who did I connect with? What did I achieve? Not what I didn't get to, or I love that. Who can I forgive today? Uh, Mm -hmm. I have a lot of conversations about forgiveness on the podcast, because that's one of my things is forgiveness, not only for that person you may need to forgive, but it's for yourself too. Yeah, um, for sure. I was trying to find them in the book so I could list off a few more, but there, you know, sometimes you just need like a point to kick off because I did find when I first started journaling, like consistently, I, I journal three times a week. 
Mm-hmm. And whether it's, I don't put a time limit, like sometimes it's 10 minutes, sometimes it's an hour, but I found that this is really helpful to have kind of as a backup of if I don't come to the table with something, but it, these questions always get me into something, into something really good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm good at meditation sometimes at working out, even though I'm t- founder of Tone It Up, fitness superstar, here, but we all have our, our moments and our seasons. But I want to get back in journaling because that really helped. And I did that in a lot of different therapies that I've done. And I'll start with like, they're like, just write a letter to your inner child, write about the day. And then I'm like four pages in and I'm like, that felt yeah. amazing. I just released okay. so much. You're inspiring love- me. I'm going to start journaling again. I love that you just said that because so the last chapter, chapter 12, the way the book ends is a letter to my inner child. This necklace, actually, I don't know if you can see it, but it's this tiny little mushroom. Yeah. And then it's got a big mushroom next to it. This necklace I bought over a year ago and it represents my inner child. And I just think there's this book is a lot about talking about reconnecting with your inner child and that work is so important. I started on that journey a few years ago and Every Christmas, mid-December, me and three friends always meet up and we write letters to ourselves from our inner child and reflect back. And it's it's a really cool practice. I mean, there's all different ways you can go about it, but it's really, really amazing. So for those listening, because we've clearly done inner child work and we know what it is when you say inner child, we're like, oh yeah. <laughs> can you explain <laughs> briefly what that means? Yeah, it it can mean a lot of things for different people. But for me, that's reconnecting to that 10-year-old version of myself. It could be your six-year-old. It could be your, you know, wherever, whatever place you're coming back to. But reconnecting to that curiosity, that wonder, that innocence that makes you, you. And really being able to find that, that peace and that trust in yourself and that knowing and that centeredness. A lot of the work I've done is kind of going back to those moments in time where I can most vividly remember that 10-year-old self and reconnecting with who I was then and there. And a lot of that for me is about at, at that age is when I started losing that sense of wonder and that curiosity. I started being more aware of the world around me. And so getting back to the that that curiosity has been a lot of the work that I've done because yeah. um, that's when we really live in freedom and we really are our most beautiful self. And so it's a great reminder. One, another exercise is putting a picture of yourself a little you, whatever your inner child age is. So me, it was like anywhere from like seven to 10. I have a picture in the corner of my mirror. Mm-hmm. And so Every time I'm looking in the mirror, I like see her in the corner of my eye. And it's really, it's really a lot harder to beat yourself up mm-hmm. if you're looking at your little self. So that's a that's a good little practice to kind of get started in that work. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say is you think about how would you treat seven-year-old Mary? For yeah. me, it's five-year-old Karina. How would you treat her? Treat her your present self the same way, with the same love, the same innocence, and write to her as that little girl, like how you would speak to a child like that. And it's really good. I love what you talk about in your book about say yes to adventure. One of my vows when I got married to Bobby was, I will always adventure with you. But I feel in today's world and society with the hustle and the kids, the dogs, the everything that we have going on, 
we don't say yes to adventure enough. So how do you do that? That journey for me started when I made the decision to get a divorce. Mm -hmm. When I realized that the world was at my fingertips and always wanting to stay in this this mindset of curiosity, because that kind of coincides with that being open-minded to adventure. And so that was like my first choice and first like conscious step in the direction of like, I'm going to live a life like this. I want to make this a priority and I want to find a life partner that also does. And it doesn't mean that you have to go on grand trips or that you have to be on an airplane every other week. It, I think it's the, it's your mindset. It's the perspective that how you approach situations and the, even just small things like the type of books you pick, the type of food you eat, the type of places that you try, the type of fr- like going out and reaching out to new friends, people that are different from you. That is an adventure of itself because that's a different perspective. That's different experience. So it, it, it shows up. My husband and I've talked about it. It can show up in such small ways. And we being, being parents, we have a three-year-old, an 18-month-old, even just teaching them that philosophy too of keeping your eyes wide open. There's so much more to see than what you're looking for. I talk about that a lot in my book of like, it, it's not about the big trip. It's mm-hmm. about the day-to-day, like keep your eyes wide open. And it's a practice that we try, we constantly are talking about in our house because it is hard. I mean, you have to be, you have to make a conscious effort too. Because as things get busy and crazy and life is nonstop, it's easy to just like, you get comfortable, mm-hmm. you get your, on your path. And we're always reminded to continue to challenge ourselves with just new perspectives. And through that, we'll find new adventures. Yeah, I like that. Maybe that's a journal prompt too. How did I adventure today? And then so for some people, yeah, like some people may be like, I did nothing today. I just went to the office and then I came home and I made dinner and that was it. But really, like, okay, what have you done to adventure today already? <laughs> um, let's see. I, you know, we've got about 15 people downstairs doing a huge photo shoot for our skincare brand. So I was supposed to be like prepping and kind of meeting with my team. And I ended up holding this five week old, beautiful little b- newborn. That's a, one of our models today oh. and sitting and talking to his mother, who is first time mother and mm-hmm. getting her perspective on just like how that experience has gone. So I guess I could have been head down in my computer, which I was supposed to be, but instead had a beautiful conversation with her. And it was kind of inspiring being pregnant. And now with my third, hearing a new mom's perspective. So that was really cool. So you could say being present is an adventure. Yes. I, you know, I have this tattooed on my wrist. Yeah. And it means presence. A lot of people always ask me, you know, does that mean, you know, this or that, but it's a, it's a, I, I'm so shit at it that I had to tattoo it on my wrist, but it <laughs> in the moment. You know what my wrist tattoo here is strength. Oh, um, beautiful. A reminder. Just I got this when I was 18 years old, just because I was going through a really dark time. It's just like, you're strong, keep going. So yeah, I guess I was so bad at it at the time that I needed to <laughs> look at it too. It's hard. It's hard to live in the present. It's hard to not reflect back and, and have regrets. It's hard to not continuously plan for the future. So in that moment, yeah, just stopping and prioritizing that conversation with her was really beautiful. Yeah. So your skincare line, it's pronounced Nema? Nima? 
Nima. 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 Okay. Yeah. Organic. I'll send you my Tone It Up protein products if you send me your skincare. Absolutely. I, I will. I love skincare I will. so much. I'm very dedicated to it. So For sure. I definitely will. It, ours is a, it's a postpartum and pregnancy skincare line, but... Um, well, maybe we I'll send it to products. Katrina then. I don't well, know. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, we have products in for women too. Our stretch cream is actually like incredibly hydrating. We have a lot of women that use it that aren't even pregnant. Yeah. That it's, it's like, you know, dealing with like behind the arms, your boobs, your thighs, mm-hmm. your hips. Like we have a lot of women that use it that have never been pregnant before. So. Oh yeah. And as women, we fluctuate naturally through our seasons and... Oh. Exactly. Yeah. So I definitely would love to try that. And speaking of postpartum, you had a pretty traumatic birth experience, right? I did. Yeah. With my first. Yeah. We, this kind of ties back into kind of our bigger conversation we're having here, but I had my plan, what I thought in my head, everything was going to look like, especially as a new mom. I think a lot of new moms tend to do that. And then we quickly learn you don't have any control when you're bringing someone into this world. It's really up to them. And you really have to trust your body and trust that this baby knows what to do. And because that's what's going to happen either way. And so nothing went as planned. I had this, this, you know, natural birth. I, I wanted this and that. I had my doula there. We had, we had our agenda. And then my daughter's heart rate was not stable. Mm-hmm. We had like abnormal bleeding. And I write about this in my book because. It, it was, I had a lot of grief and shame around after the fact of having to have an emergency section mm-hmm. and feeling as if I failed her in that moment of not allowing her to enter the world, how I had, had kind of positioned it in my head that it, it, it should be. And ultimately C-section was definitely a lot safer for her and for, I, for me. And there was nothing wrong with it, but it took, it was hard for me to kind of Cross that hurdle of, of realizing, and I held a lot of grief and shame around that for a bit. And how did you had to, get through it? Yeah, so a lot of it for me was just at the time. So much I was holding so much of it physically. I found that like so much of being a mom, I hold that energy physically. And mm-hmm. I remember my fifth night home with her. So fifth night home from the hospital, and I just started sobbing and it came out nowhere. I didn't even know why initially my husband was holding her at the time and looking at me like, what is wrong with you? Cause I don't, I'm just not a big outward emotionally emotional person. And it, I was so overcome and that physical, just letting myself have that moment and sob and really release those feelings was, there was so much healing in just that alone, just that alone. And then having the conversation with my husband, like, and realizing to myself, it, I, it was supposed to be this. I feel as if I didn't do my job as a mother. And there's a lot of lesson there for me to learn because it actually was just the opposite. It was it was what it was supposed to be. And she was safe and beautiful. And so it was more about me realizing I shouldn't have set those boundaries in the beginning. Like yeah. putting those boundaries and those expectations around ourselves when in reality, what's meant to happen is going to. And so... Yeah, it was that that was kind of my one of my first jerk like big steps into motherhood and one of the first hurdles for me was letting letting go of that. Yeah. That's good for a lot. I have a few friends who have had that experience but haven't shared it because of shame and guilt and then all of the emotions that come with it and then working through it. I want to touch on and I know we have to go soon but 
What would your number one tip be for someone who is stuck and whatever stuck means to them to get back to that place of childlike wonder? Like, where do you even begin? Well, of course, read your book, but aside. I love that. I love that. Well, one, I've been there. Mm -hmm. I have felt that way tremendously. And for me at that time, it was the excess that was on my plate and how much pressure that I felt and just the, the weight. And so the first thing is finding ways that you can, and it, it just might be one person, but being able to offload some of that, I think is, is like kind of the first step. And then finding the time for yourself. I think it's, I think you have to make the conscious decision and really, really be intentional about I'm going to create time for myself. I'm going to create time for self care. And this is like, whatever that time looks like, whether it is journaling, whether it's, you know, one hour a day, this is what I'm going to do for myself. I need to reconnect. I desperately need this time. And so it's about offloading, having one person in your life you can trust and maybe hold you accountable Mm -hmm. to that one hour of the day. I feel like accountability has been huge for me because I'll make all these plans. And then, you know, sometimes my follow through just isn't there because things get busy and things come up and I'm also a people pleaser. And so I, I want to make sure people are happy with me. And so I think accountability is a big, a big piece of that. And all it takes is just one person to trust and, and then setting aside that time, being an intentional with your time. And for me, that was, I took five days off and I went to a program where I talk about it in my book on site, which is 60 miles outside of Nashville and mm-hmm. without a phone, without mm-hmm. anyone I knew in my life. And I took some time for some healing. And so I think it's about really setting that intention and it doesn't have to look like that, but it could just be a daily one hour a day. You're either going to journal, you're going to go for a walk. You're going to take time to you know, do some sort of physical activity, something that fills you back up. Yeah. And for the mamas listening, advice for them on how to take that hour and not have the mom guilt or by taking care of you first tip for that. It's so hard. That's that to me, that's the hardest part of motherhood is the mom guilt and the Mm -hmm. shame that you're, we're constantly battling. So motherhood has taught me many things, but one of the biggest lessons I've learned is you can't do it all and Mm -hmm. ask for help. Mm -hmm. And I know everyone's resources look differently, but there, having one friend in your life, having your husband, being open about what you need and asking for help and setting those boundaries so that you can have balance in your life. Because I think it's easy to get, it gets so lopsided as a mother. And I think that I had to learn that quickly. I was going to do it all. I was going to like, you know, be up at five and and get up in the middle of the night and do it all. And I thought for a while I was, but you you just can't. It's not realistic. And so you have to ask for help. You have to voice your needs. And because ultimately, if, if you don't have it to give, yeah. then, you know, you can't give what you don't have. And so, exactly. yeah, you have to make sure you're refueling as well. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mary. And I'm marking my calendar. I'm coming in Austin on November 30th. Yeah. November November 30th is our book signing in Austin and the book releases November 15th. Yes. So we're one week away. Holy cow. Yeah. Oh, congrats. That's exciting. And you got this. I know we're always like, 
I'm not good enough. How am I doing this? How am I planning this? There's so much. The logistics of a book tour, I know, are done three of them. They're, they're wow. <laughs> but you get uh, it. You're going to do great. And you're going to help a lot of women and men, everyone. So thank you for joining us. And I will see you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is a pleasure to be a part of today. Thank you for joining us today and every Wednesday. If you or anyone you know needs help now, text HERO to 741-741 to connect with a crisis counselor. Our crisis text line is private and confidential. If you loved this episode or think a loved one could benefit from listening, please share. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the.big.silence. Head over to thebigsilence.com to sign up for our newsletter to stay in the loop for live events coming up and details on the release of my memoir, The Big Silence. And as always, we'd love a like, subscribe, and leave a review on anywhere the podcast can be found. I love you, and I will see you next Wednesday. One, two, three, sing it. Here's to radical self-love, the type of love that will defeat anxiety, the type of love that defeats depression. This is the one life. This is the moment. This is the time to dig in, to be who you already are. The big silence. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. The big silence. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. The big silence. The big silence.